1: Good morning, my name is Valerie and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Canadian Tire Corporation Limited First Quarter Results Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during that time, simply press star, then the number 1 on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, press star, then the number 2. We ask that you limit your time to one question plus a follow-up question before cycling back into the queue. This morning, Canadian Tire Corporation Limited released their financial results for the first quarter of 2021. A copy of the earnings disclosure is available on their website and includes cautionary language about forward-looking statements, risks, and uncertainties, which also apply to the discussion during today's conference call. I would like to turn the call over to Greg Hicks, President and CEO. Greg?
2: Thank you, operator. Good morning and welcome, everyone. I'm joined today by our CFO, Gregory Craig, and by T.J. Flood, president of Canadian Tire Retail, who will be participating in the Q&A portion of the call. As we continue to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic, Q1 once again brought its share of unique challenges, including significant restrictions across our store network. A mere 40% of our CTR and SportCheck stores and only 60% of our March stores were open at the start of the year. Although we returned to full operations across the business in March, we still face strict restrictions today across many parts of Canada. But relentless as COVID-19 may be, we keep overcoming the ongoing hurdles, as proven by the sustained momentum of all of our businesses and unprecedented results in the first quarter including over $3 billion in retail sales and consolidated comparable sales up more than 19% across our banners. Normalized income before taxes was up more than $200 million in retail and $56 million in financial services. As a result, we delivered first quarter normalized diluted earnings per share of $2.57. Equally important to what we achieved... In the first quarter is how we achieved it over the past year i've often referenced our purpose of being there for life in canada and how that has served as our north star throughout covid 19. and as the pandemic persists so too does our purpose and that is thanks to our people i want to thank all our team members for their unwavering efforts and helping foster our culture of connection Our incredible results would not be possible without our distribution center and contact center teams, along with our store staff, associate dealers, and corporate employees who continue to be there for each other, our customers, and our communities. Together, we are making life in Canada better for our customers. Our multi-category assortment across all banners continues to prove integral to meeting the demand for products in backyard living outdoor activities and home projects by continuing to grow our digital capabilities we are enabling customers to shop with us in the ways that work best for them from ship to home to buy online pick up in store to curbside pickup but as you've heard me say before being there for canadians is about more than the products we sell or services we provide it means supporting our communities when they need us most through jumpstart We've accelerated our efforts to help kids reconnect with sport once it's safe for them to do so. In Q1, we committed an additional $12 million to the Jumpstart Sport Relief Fund, and to date, $3.25 million have been dispersed to more than 300 community sport organizations. Our authentic connection with our communities helps foster and reinforce our connection with our customers, and we have the results to prove it. With that, let's dive into the specifics of our Q1 results. Given the patterns we normally observe in the first quarter, we were impressed to see both our retail and financial services businesses deliver such strong results. In the face of considerable restrictions in the first six weeks, retail top line was resilient and coupled with solid operating leverage delivered strong bottom line. Financial services' gross margin and income were up significantly, reflecting strong portfolio risk metrics, along with encouraging customer spend and payments trends. Gregory will provide more detail on the financial performance of each of the banners, but before he does, I want to speak to the retail landscape in the quarter and outline how we continue to evolve our omni-channel offering and our engagement with our customers. With ongoing stay at home restrictions and Canadians unable to travel for March break vacations, it should come as no surprise that our credit card spend data showed a shift away from travel and entertainment categories in Q1. But Canadian consumer spend was healthy in Q1, and significant COVID 19 spend substitution in the average Canadian household benefited us and helped us gain market share. We continue to see tailwinds around our key categories with the move to one-stop shopping. Our staying power and strong owned brands across canvas, backyard living products, kitchen and tools at CTR, as well as Heli Hansen Industrial Workwear at Marks, helped us capitalize on what customers wanted to buy. In addition to sales being up across all our banners, sales increased within every division at CTR. Over 70 percent of categories at CTR grew, and over 60% of them had double-digit sales growth. Spend in our credit card portfolio was up 7% across our 2 million cards. With an early start to spring in many parts of Canada, customers quickly shifted to thinking about outdoor sports equipment for spring and summer, outdoor living, and bikes. As such, we saw an increase in purchases of items like patio sets and products from our backyard fun and gardening categories, driving an increase of more than $100 million across our seasonal living and playing divisions. Automotive categories at CTR were up as Canadians prepared for a summer at home or on the road in Canada. Given the tremendous demand for bikes last year, CTR dealers ordered aggressively, and merchandised earlier this year. Our ability to reliably source stock and assemble bikes puts them within easy reach of customers. This is proving to be a differentiator for us in the market and contributed to increased own brand penetration. Across our cycling categories at CTR and SportCheck, our bike business was up over $50 million compared to last year. Our timing was perfect for the launch of Rally, our newest own brand at CTR, and Diamondback, our own brand for bikes, accessories, and apparel at SportCheck. As restrictions once again impeded customers' ability to shop in store, they looked to our e-commerce channels to fulfill their jobs and joys. As a result, our websites saw 167 million digital visits, representing an increase of more than 60% over last year. Compared to the same time last year, we had 1.4 million more customers signed up on Canadian Tire apps. We saw a 13% increase in customers engaging with us in our owned audience channels, such as email, as we grew our list and increased the personalization of our offers. We also increased our ability to engage with customers through our Triangle program, which welcomed another 400,000 new members this quarter. Customer control channel remains important and we were able to flex and adapt to better serve our customers, offering multiple ways for them to shop with us, including buy online pickup in store, curbside pickup, and deliver to home. In Q1, we handled almost three times the volume of e-commerce orders compared to last year. A total of four point five million orders across our largest banners. That translated into almost $450 million of e-commerce sales for Canadian Tire this quarter, with total e-commerce sales approaching $2 billion since the start of the pandemic. Around three quarters of orders placed were for in-store pickup, and we have significantly sped up our fulfillment time since the beginning of COVID-19. In Q1, the average CTR order was ready for pickup within three and a half hours, and the average Sport Check order was ready to collect within one hour. To further our efforts in this experience, we're increasing the number of CTR stores with pickup lockers, from 25% of our stores having lockers at the start of Q1 to 40% by the end of Q2. We know the amount of time a customer has to wait to pick up their order matters. When we improve wait times, we see an increase in our net promoter score, the measure we use to evaluate customer experience. The adoption of lockers at CTR is playing an important role in ensuring less friction in the pickup process, ultimately creating a more seamless experience and improved customer satisfaction. Customer experience continues to improve as we focus on our critical omni-channel capabilities, and we remain confident that being able to execute across a range of channels will continue to be important for our consumers long after the pandemic. At this morning's AGM, I'll be speaking in more detail about how we are translating our rich customer data into insights to connect with our customers in a more meaningful way. We know we won't succeed by doing things the way we've always done them, which is why we are no longer waiting for customers to engage with us. We are proactively engaging with them across all our channels. Let me give you a concrete example of this. We attracted 1.8 million new members into our Triangle Rewards Program in 2020. The old Canadian Tire Way would have been to take our chances on on whether any of these new customers would show up the following year. Now, we're actively managing these 1.8 million new members using cutting-edge agile methodologies to develop more relevant and personalized marketing and reduce disengagement after the first purchase. So far, this personalized marketing appears to be paying off. We attracted over a third of those 1.8 million customers back to us for an average of 4 visits in Q1. We are also working on how we transform the digital engagement experience with our credit card holders, customers who are among some of our most active Triangle members. With that, I'm pleased to announce that Ayaz Pira will be joining us on June 1st as President, Canadian Tire Financial Services and President and CEO, Canadian Tire Bank, assuming the leadership of the bank from Mahas Wickramasinghe. Ayaz has significant experience in and knowledge of digital transformation and we look forward to welcoming him to the company and benefiting from his skills and leadership. And with that... I'll hand it over to Gregory to take you through the financial highlights of the quarter.
3: Thanks, Greg, and good morning, everyone. As Greg has said, it was a great quarter for CTC, both from a sales and a profitability perspective. We were pleased with the reported diluted EPS of $2.47 compared to the $0.22 cent per share loss from Q1 a year ago. And after normalizing for $9 million in operational efficiency charges, our normalized diluted EPS was $2.57 in the quarter. As a reminder, last year, the COVID-19 pandemic and related market disruptions had significant impacts on our business, affecting our consolidated earnings by $94 million and our EPS by approximately 96 cents in Q1 2020. In addition, 2020 was a 53-week year. Consistent with our past practices and to ensure better comparability we have provided comp sales growth on a time-shifted basis. This means that sales from week one this year are compared to sales from week two in the prior year. In contrast, retail sales growth is calculated without any adjustments. This drives some difference between retail sales and comp sales results in the quarter, particularly at Marks and SportCheck banners. With this, let me take you through a few of the financial highlights in the quarter, starting with sales and revenue. In the first quarter, we grew our retail revenue by $566 million, or 27% excluding petroleum. CTR revenue growth was the real standout, increasing $489 million, or up 35% in the quarter, surpassing comp sales growth of 19%. Strong dealer demand remained the primary driver this quarter. Dealers ordered in response to the continuing consumer demand and to rebuild inventory in seasonal, and non-seasonal categories, and through our strong vendor relationships, we were able to secure inventory and meet their needs. More than 60% of the dealer shipment growth was to support spring-summer outdoor activities with products such as patio furniture, inflatable pools, barbecues and bikes, all categories with a strong sell-through last year. And dealers also continued to replenish life-at-home categories, such as kitchen, tools, and paint. At SportCheck, revenue increased 7.2%, while comp sales were up 18.7%. Exceptional performance in March accounted for 50% of the total sales as customers returned to the stores. And again, against a late March a year ago when stores were closed. With the early arrival of spring, we saw record sales in cycling, as well as strong demand in fitness-related categories, such as athletic footwear and kids apparel. At Marks, revenue was up 15.3%, while comp sales increased 22%, with leading performance in the industrial categories. Additionally, we had good traction in our young adult segment with brands such as Levi's, Carhartt, and Saks, driving growth in men's and ladies' casual wear and accessories. With respect to e-commerce demand, we were very pleased with the the contributions of the Buy Online Pickup and Store channel across all of our banners. While it has been a staple at CTR for several years, the channel was not available at Sportcheck or Marks until its introduction in Q3 2020. And in Q1, it accounted for 57% of the e-commerce order at, orders at Marks and 19% of the orders at Sportcheck, a strong indication of its relevance with consumers. And at Helly Hansen, we were pleased with their internal revenue growth of 12%, driven by strength of the e-commerce channel, which more than doubled compared to a year ago and double-digit increases in our footwear business. Retail volume drove gross margin dollars, which were up $191 million, or 25%, excluding petroleum. Normalized gross margin rate, excluding petroleum, was down 62 basis points, primarily due to a shift in the mix of sales between banners, with CTR, our lowest margin rate banner, driving the predominant share of growth. The resale gross margin rate also reflects higher freight costs, in part due to higher e-commerce penetration rates across the banners. These headwinds were partially offset by improved margins at Sportcheck and Marks due to lower promotional activity and higher regular price sell-through. As we navigate through Q2, we believe the ongoing store closures will continue to drive a higher e-commerce penetration rate, and throughout the balance of the year, we expect the impacts of higher freight and commodity costs to present some headwinds. However, the merchants have a number of levers they use to manage margin rates, as we have demonstrated previously. Let me turn to some of the financial service business drivers now. The business continues to operate with resilience, posting strong credit metrics, a 7% credit card sales growth in the quarter, and a $56 million improvement to the bottom line at the IBT level. Although credit card sales were strong, receivables declined 11% in the quarter. The reduction in receivables was driven by lower customer acquisition, the ongoing trend of customers paying down their balances at a higher rate relative to historical norms, and the industry-wide impact of lower credit card sales in the prior year. Despite a revenue decline of $45 million or 13% in the quarter, gross margin improved $62 million compared to the prior year, including a $21 million allowance release reflecting the improved credit risk of the portfolio. This quarter's impacts compared to a $45 million of incremental allowance recognized in the prior year relates to the higher economic uncertainty associated with the pandemic. The overall credit risk profile continues to be strong, as evidenced by improvement in the operational metrics, such as the PD2 plus rate at 1.98%, down 109 basis points, and a net write-off rate at 5.28%, down 107 basis points compared to the prior year. As a percentage of receivables, the allowance rate is elevated at 14.93%, largely due to the approximately $600 million reduction in receivables compared to the prior year. We will continue to evaluate the level of allowance on our books in response to changes in our receivable balance, our credit performance trends, and the macroeconomic environment. Looking ahead, account acquisition and balance-building programs will be deployed as appropriate, with employee and customer safety being the key decision point specifically for in-store acquisition. With respect to OPEX, we saw savings in the quarter from our operational efficiency initiatives, as well as lower personnel expenses, as we cycled last year's $42 million mark-to-market adjustment which resulted from the significant share price depreciation at the onset of the pandemic a year ago. While volume-related supply chain costs drove some OPEX growth, our consolidated, normalized OPEX rate improved 520 basis points, reflecting the double-digit growth in consolidated revenue. Amid the ongoing global demand and widespread shortage of categories, such as bikes and exercise equipments, access to inventory has been critical for us, and has been the fuel that's powered our sales and our shipments in recent quarters. At the end of Q1, our inventory was in a strong position, up $128 million versus last year. The increase is partially driven by a higher sell-through and need for replenishment in spring categories and also as a result of ensuring access to key non-seasonal categories that continue to experience strong consumer demand. With respect to our financial health, our balance sheet and earnings power are in a strong position. This was recently recognized by S&P and DBRS as both rating agencies reaffirmed our investment-grade credit rating and S&P revised CTC's outlook to stable. In light of the ongoing uncertainty related to the pandemic, we still don't believe it's appropriate to provide forward-looking information on capital spending or to resume our share buybacks beyond anti anti-diluted purposes at this time. Rest assured, our focus remains on investing in our business, be that critical real estate projects or key digital initiatives. In evaluating the efficiency of our capital allocation decisions, we continue to be guided by our retail ROIC measure. And I wanted to highlight that we have made a change in methodology to align to a change in IFRS 16 accounting that came into effect in 2019. Using the updated methodology, our Q1 retail ROIC reflects a rolling 12 months was 12.2% and is approximately 100 basis points higher than the value we would have calculated through our old methodology. But putting the change in calculation aside, we are very pleased with our ROIC performance, up 260 basis points versus the prior year and reflecting the strength in our retail business over the last 12 months. A detailed summary of the updated ROIC methodology is included in the quarterly earnings presentation on our investor website. While there remains uncertainty in Canada due to the pandemic, we are very pleased with the results in the quarter. And I want to echo Greg's comments, and I want to thank our employees and dealers who continue to be there for our customers. With that, I'd like to hand the call back to Greg for his closing remarks.
2: Thanks, Gregory. Before I close, I want to give you some insight into what we're seeing so far in Q2 and how we're thinking about the balance of the year. In April, we continue to see strong demand, in some of the categories that drove our results in Q1. Quarter to date, sales at CTR are up double digit, and revenue is strong. We are seeing solid top line momentum in all corporate banners as they lap more significant closures in the comparable weeks of Q2 last year. And as Gregory mentioned, we have robust inventory levels in place to meet the current demand. We expect spending in some categories to ease as we move through the third and fourth quarters and as we cycle a very robust Q3 and the highest Christmas on record in Q4. Although we all hope the end of COVID-19 is in sight, there is no telling when we'll reach the other side of this crisis. There remains uncertainty around how quickly the current restrictions on retail will be lifted. As part of our ongoing efforts to help mitigate the spread of the virus, we're providing our team members with paid sick leave and giving all employees paid time off to be vaccinated. As a company that recognizes widespread vaccination as the best way to reduce virus cases and rebuild our communities and the economy, we are actively supporting community vaccination efforts. For example, we've donated our large exhibition space at Place Sports Expert to be used as a vaccination site by the Laval Region Health Agency. And we're committed to working with public health and the provincial government to establish an on site vaccination clinic in a priority region for our employees and the community. I know everyone feels more than ready to be done with the pandemic. Unfortunately, it's not done with us, not yet, anyway. Although we continue to find ourselves operating amidst a high degree of uncertainty and volatility in consumer shopping behavior, what we do know is that our brand is in an extremely strong position. We have fantastic assets run by great people. We are well positioned to create value over the long term. No matter how long it takes, we will stay connected to our purpose of being there for Canadians, And protecting the health and safety of our employees and customers will remain our top priority. Trust that we will be there to support Canadians in the rebuilding of our economy and our communities. With that, I'll pass it over to the operator for questions.
1: Thank you. At this time, I would like to remind everyone in order to ask a question, please press star then the number 1 on your telephone keypad. We ask that you limit your time to one question plus one follow-up question. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Our first question is from Irene Natal with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
0: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card shop these deals at your local Kroger less than 5 miles away or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today Kroger, fresh for everyone prices and product availability subject to change restrictions apply, see site for details
4: thanks and and good morning everyone Um, first of all thanks for all the color on sort of uh, trends and category performance just want to drill down a little bit into that so um, obviously very strong in Q1 and can you give us some color around the sort of the category performance to, quarter two to date, which your commentary around double-digit sales growth is really interesting given the restrictions, um, particularly in Ontario. So anything you can provide there will be very helpful.
2: Well, maybe I'll take that, Irene. Um, I know um, in reading all of the preview reports, we uh, we had a pretty good idea that our looking forward expectations uh, was the most topical for everyone. Um, so why don't I spend a little time here um, so everybody can get better a better sense on how we're feeling uh, about the the business and what we're dealing with, and if we need a double click on any you know categories or what have you um, between the three of us, I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm sure we can provide provide more color. If I don't hit the mark. Um, when we, when we think about looking forward, Irene, we think about it on two timelines uh, post pandemic uh, and right now while we're still in it. Uh, I'll start with how we're feeling post pandemic because I think it's important. I mean, look, I, I feel really good, uh, really good uh, about the fact that we have a competitive omni channel offering. I think there was some question about our ability to compete in a digital world pre-pandemic and I don't, I don't think anybody should doubt our ability now. We're run rating for an e-commerce business north of $2 billion. We engage customers with many options for fulfillment across all banners uh, and can offer the customer more control over their online orders. Our digital marketing capabilities are strong. Our own brand portfolio is strong and growing. Uh, We have traction around cost leverage and a more disciplined way about us with regards to expense control. Our customer analytics with Triangle, both credit card and base loyalty are evolving rapidly Uh, and we have tremendous reach with Canadians. I think we're making great strides from a social impact standpoint. Our culture is in a great spot as is our relationship with our associate dealers. We're attracting and keeping strong talent, and we're in a strong financial position. I mean, there's a lot to like uh, right now. And although there has no doubt been short-term tailwinds for the demand side of our business, we do feel confident that some of the trends we're seeing here have staying power. If you look at the strength of the housing market and home turnover – the unprecedented level of household savings, the secular focus on wellness, these should help bolster demand for our categories even once spending on travel and entertainment starts to bounce back. Uh, We believe we're, we're continuing to build market share, especially as we acquire and engage new customers through Triangle and Canadians are reintroduced to Canadian Tire, so we feel confident in our ability to continue to grow share Uh, and the top line in the future and emerge from the pandemic in a stronger earnings position than when we entered it. But as I said in my prepared remarks, COVID-19 is not done with us yet. Uh, It's still obviously very difficult to predict the future right now. Um, Still lots of uncertainty. Uh, We aren't a food or drug retailer. So unlike others who are providing visibility, uh, we're dealing with significant restrictions and closures. Uh, impacting our business right now, uh, uh, today. So I I think I would start in the more short term um, with the biggest understatement I could deliver, uh, and that it's really hard to forecast the top line uh, looking forward. I wouldn't have forecasted the restrictions we find ourselves in if you asked me a few weeks or months ago, so asking me to comment on a few months out is near impossible. Look, here's what I know. Uh, We had a strong April, Uh, which we called out in our remarks. But we have more than two-thirds of the second quarter in front of us in terms of sales. And the numerator gets much bigger as we are now comping weeks where stores were reopened and had large sales increases last year. And I I still don't know when our stores are going to open in Ontario and it's 40% of our revenue. So this is why it's so difficult. You've heard me talk about the fact we plan in seasons and we're doing the best we can to try and plan as close into customer demand activity as possible. What I can tell you with certainty is that we are buying inventory to support incremental growth in the business. We're ready and the dealers are ready. And I think that's just what you need to do to be ready for in this type of environment. We're really good at sourcing inventory. We're using all of our capabilities. We're using our relationships and our track record with vendors to buy and be a strong channel and partner for them uh, we can give them growth and reliable payments which is pretty attractive right now um, but figuring out the staying power on the top line is the toughest and most critical um, when decisions like shutdowns are still in our midst volatile sales activity is what uh, results so hopefully as we move through q2 here uh, and we have a few regions so you pick a region like BC as an example or Ontario, when it reopens, where the comparative periods have less noise, we should be in a much better position to glean more insight uh, in terms of customer demand patterns and unpack uh, some of that color for you in our next call.
4: That's really great and really helpful. Thank you. Just to follow up, if I might, which is um, obviously now with Triangle and sort of the growth of the credit card um, and, and membership. You have a lot of very granular data, so what is your granular data showing you about um, the purchasing patterns of your customers year over year and also uh, sort of your share of consumer wallet in
2: in key categories versus you know other other retailers um, i I'd say you know one of the things that we're seeing um, that is that's interesting uh, irene is is the uh, the Towards the end of the cu- end of the quarter, the uh the spend heat maps in our credit card um, by category started to go green uh in uh, in categories that had been red for twelve to fourteen months. When you look at uh spend categories like uh auto, uh spend categories like travel, uh spend categories like uh you know, dining and restaurants. So Um, That is most likely, those are national uh, heat maps, so it's most likely being driven by regions outside of Ontario. But I think those are interesting trends in terms of what we're seeing um, from a a customer pattern standpoint. I think we called out the fact that what's different for us um, this quarter is we're starting to see a good rebound in the automotive business. Um, it, It seems to be preparation for travel. Uh, our tire business is strong. When you think about uh, rooftop carriers, uh, outdoor recreation, uh, et cetera, we're seeing good bounce uh, in, those, in those categories right now. So um, those are, would be some of the nuances and some of the windows we would have that would uh, indicate that there, there are different mindsets uh, emerging um, with, uh, with Canadians uh, right now. And as you point out, um, we, we do have those nice data windows Um, with some of them potentially being lead indicators for us as we start to plan the rest of the year.
4: That's great. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Our next question is from Mark Petrie with CIBC. Please go ahead.
5: Yeah, good morning. Um, uh, Greg, I just want to follow up on one of your comments there. Uh, Obviously, it's impossible to predict, um, you know, retail sales patterns, particularly into the second half of the year, uh, given the big comps that you guys are going to be lapping, but the comment with uh, with regard to buying inventory to support growth was that was that geared towards the second half? Is that the sort of time frame you're talking about?
2: Well, I'd say it's just our overall mindset and approach to the whole business, um, Mark. It it um, it certainly, as we talked about before, was the way we. We, again, we keep talking about planning the business in seven seasons. It's the way we planned for the first few seasons here that you know helped here in the first quarter. Uh, it's the way we would have planned um, in terms of our approach for Q2, uh, and it's the way we're planning for Q3 and Q4. Um, I mean, as we as we move forward here, we'll get some some indicators from our dealers in terms of how bullish uh, they're believing some of the categories. Uh, how bullish they are in some of the categories where they ended up quite lean um, last year. Um, TJ can probably speak to this. I I would say they have very bullish mindsets. I mean, they're continuing to order, and um, and they find themselves, as we alluded to uh, in our Q4 call, um, pretty lean uh, in some important categories for uh, Q3, Q4 businesses as we approach the... uh, uh, as we approach those uh, approach those seasons, so TJ, if you want to add any, any more color to that.
6: Yeah, hi Mark, it's it's TJ. One one other piece I'd I'd like to just kind of highlight when when you're contemplating our investments in inventory is we had significant growth last year, um, kind of multiple years of growth happening in one year, and for us, whether whether you look at it from the corporate side or from the dealer side. Effectively, we've had a step function change in terms of the size of our business and we have to inventory up in order to continue at that pace and and grow beyond it. So, you're seeing us act accordingly and and buying quite aggressively and you're also seeing uh, the dealers do the exact same thing. They recognize uh, from a dealer perspective that inventory is the fuel that drives our growth and they've been very aggressive uh, year to date coming off a year in the spring summer categories where We depleted a lot of inventory, the the consumer demand last year just far outpaced uh, the supply that we had even despite the fact that we brought in uh, as much as we did last year. So overall uh, we're kind of in in this position of of right-sizing the business so to speak from an inventory perspective and we're going to continue to buy aggressively because what what we don't know is, is what restrictions are going to happen. Uh, and those types of things, but but what we do know so far is that is that when we're unfettered, our consumer demand still is strong, and we want to put ourselves in the best position um, uh, to deliver against whatever consumer demand is there. So that's the approach we're taking. okay, that's uh, that's very helpful. And I guess just to just to clarify, I mean
5: obviously there are some categories where inventory is really lean in the market, but it sounds like you don't expect that to be a material headwind for you at least in the next uh, or or basically through all of this year. Is that a fair statement?
6: Yeah, I would say that there are definitely some categories that we continue to chase um, and that there's demand that's outpacing our ability to supply, but we are aggressive on chasing that inventory. We're uh, a couple categories that have continued to, to kind of really push hard even into Q2 after strong and Q1 would be like backyard furniture and things like that. So we're still trying to be aggressive. To buy those, so I wouldn't say we're out of the woods on on supply entirely, and and there's certainly some categories that we're going to be chasing, but we're feeling like we've we've put our best foot forward uh, in aggregate to uh, to drive to drive growth. Thanks, uh, and lots
5: of discussion about higher costs out there, you know, be it commodities, freight, labor. Obviously, the model gives you a ton of flexibility to navigate that type of volatility, you know, across promotions, loyalty, assortment. Um, but where are you seeing the greatest movement in your costs? And obviously, FX, I guess, would offset some of this um, depending on timing. But generally speaking, are, is most of that most of the higher cost being passed through, or you absorbing it, or, or maybe you can just talk about that uh, that topic? Thanks.
2: Yeah, why don't I why don't I take that, uh, Mark? Uh, it's Greg. Um, we certainly, you know, inflation is is pretty topical. Um, you know. Right now, I think Greg alluded to it, Gregory alluded to it um, in, um, in his prepared uh, remarks. There was no, let me speak about Q1 first, there's no material inflation impact to our cogs in Q1, um, nor do we expect any material inflation for our Q2 receipts. Uh, the two big drivers right now, uh, commodity inflation and global supply chain demand driving freight costs. Um, so I don't think those are new to anybody. But given this, we, we do expect to see modest impacts in our COGS receipts in the back half, uh, varying significantly by category. Products largely comprised of plastics would be the extreme uh, cases. Uh, and looking forward, our expectation uh, is is an expectation that commodity prices Will remain elevated uh, through the first half of 2022 uh, and then will likely taper off and retreat as demand normalizes with changes to you know consumer behavior and spending patterns but there are offsets uh to the headwinds posed by the commodity inflation first the canadian dollar has appreciated uh, against the bo- both the us dollar and the chinese rmb which is favorable Uh, Now, as you know, we hedge, uh, so our glide path to benefit here isn't immediate, but we do see our effective hedge rate improving uh, as we move uh, to the back half and into 2022. And on the freight side, even though the ocean freight spot market is setting record highs, uh, a large percentage of our container volume uh, mark is protected at contracted rates, uh, this is a real benefit for us uh, relative to smaller importers as they're dealing with not only massive cost increases but availability uh, and space issues as well so so given what's going on we feel like we're in a good we're in good shape uh, to make it much less material than what it might look like uh, for others uh, we have solid capabilities and relationships uh, and we're definitely using uh, them uh, to our advantage uh, right now um, the uh, T- TJ's talked uh, about the fact that we're not going to give an inch uh, competitively. So, you know, trying to forecast what will maneuver its way through to the customer will, will kind of be determined by that competitive intensity. But uh, hopefully that gives you uh, some, some flavor in terms of how we're thinking about dealing with it.
5: Very helpful. Thanks a lot and all the best.
1: Thank you. Our next question is from Patricia Baker with Scotia Bank. Please go ahead.
7: Uh, thank you, and good morning, everyone. I just want to talk a little bit about the the, the strong sales uh, in the quarter, which were uh, phenomenal, and as you noted, unprecedented. And, and I guess you know, in part, that's owed to your unique and uh, really, I guess, favorable assortment. And you referenced the fact that you're seeing market share uh, gains. So, I'd be curious if you could talk a little bit about where you think those uh, share gains uh, are coming coming from, and you know why the, the pr- primary reasons you think you're gaining share, and then trying to square that a little bit with uh, TJ's uh, comments uh, around um, uh, inventory. It certainly sounds like the corporation and the dealers feel that those share gains, uh, based on TJ's uh, co- comments, uh, are something that is sustainable, and you expect that you'll uh, you will continue to. Uh, keep
6: those gains. Yeah, I, hey Patricia, it's TJ. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about share in Q1. Overall, by all measures, and we measure share in various ways with various outside kind of parties as well as our inside data, we feel like we gain market share in Q1. Uh, that, despite some significant store closures early uh, in, in January into mid-February. Um, I think there's a lot of substitution spend that we're benefiting from. Uh, As Greg alluded to earlier, a lot of kind of spend that traditionally might have gone into travel or entertainment is is heading towards the categories in which we compete as as folks are hunkered down in their homes and looking for ways to entertain themselves with boredom busters and and things like that. Uh, I do believe, uh, and our dealers do believe as well, that uh, that inventory has helped power a lot of our share gains. Uh, we took aggressive stances as we went into Q1. Uh, we went back all the way to September of last year, understood where consumer trends were, were heading, and we, uh, we, we bought aggressively, uh, knowing as well that we had a bunch of pent-up demand. So I think there was a lot of kind of uh, executional elements that drove our, our share gains. And we believe that we, we have the ability to sustain the share. What what we don't what we don't have in our control is is what restrictions we're going to be up against. What we know is when we're an omni-channel retailer, fully open with both our e com capabilities and our stores, we do extraordinarily well. Um, and uh, and we think we have the opportunity to continue there, just given uh, given the trajectory we've been on. So I, I do believe we think we can uh, continue to drive those share gains.
7: Okay, thank you for that. And my second question, or follow-up question, is on um, financial services. So, uh, in in the comments on financial services, I think Gregory, um, you you mentioned the fact that you will continue to uh, work at acquiring uh, new customers, and you had uh, a lot of new Triangle uh, members in uh, in the in the first quarter. Where where do you think ultimately, in terms of penetration of Canadian households, uh, uh, you know? Membership, either in, in you know in Triangle or a customer acquisition for the credit card, you know, is is there a limit on where where, where that 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 should 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 uh, net out?
2: Maybe, maybe I'll take that, uh, Patricia, because it's you know wrapped up in Triangle too. We 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 do believe um, with our capabilities um, and and the value proposition that we have. Uh, a meaningful opportunity to grow the total active file or, or you know card base uh, in in financial services where you've heard us talk a lot about uh, integration uh, between the bank and uh, retail being critically important um, we we believe that wholeheartedly uh, moving forward our best customer acquisition vehicle right now is the stores um, mm-hmm. so you know that hampers our ability to to grow the card base in a material way now having said that we're quite happy with card acquisition uh, in the quarter um, which was quite strong and, and we we set aggressive targets for ourselves um, in terms of, of what that looks like uh, for this year um, in terms of total household penetration you know we're sitting in that kind of ten to ten and a half range right now in terms of, of an active file uh, I think you heard me talk uh, about own, our owned audience, uh, and we're, we're putting a lot of uh, focus and effort on owned audience uh, right now. That's a that's a 12 million. Um, that's at 12 million. So there's there's more reach in our owned audiences. Those are people who have opted into our app or our email uh, from a notification standpoint. So we do believe there's an opportunity for us to grow total household penetration of the Triangle membership program, and the more um, kind of universe of canadian households that are part of the program um that's a it's a it's a pretty good acquisition uh lead uh for for the credit card i know uh gregory wants to to weigh in here too yeah i, I just wanted i wanted to emphasize
3: that last point patricia is if you think about it i mean as you know the, the store is the main source of acquisition it's just such a rich pool of of uh of, of, of customers for, for, for financial services, and, and for all intents and purposes, we've been, we haven't really been in the store for the last 12 months in any scalable manner. So, when we feel comfortable that we can go back, you know, safely for, as I said, customers and employees, I think there's lots of, uh, of, of availability to grow. And I, and I, I just wanted to echo Greg's comment around a, a really healthy way to grow the card business is as well to convert loyalty customers to credit card customers. And I think. You know, as we continue to integrate Triangle even more, I, I just think the pool for the for the financial services division to continue to bring more customers other ways to earn Canadian Tire money is even faster. So I think the opportunities are there. It's just we just again I, I think we want to be careful about not going too quickly with the store acquisition side of it. So it's I think we're still a little bit away from that, Patricia. But once we get through and the world is knock on wood back to some sense of normality again, I think we're very optimistic about being able to grow that card file again.
1: Okay, thank you both. Thank you. Our next question is from Brian Morrison with TD Securities. Please go ahead.
8: Yeah, thanks very much. Hey, Gregor, can we stick with financial services here? You've got this allowance release again this quarter. You've got commentary on improved savings rates. And then I would say with the improved economic outlook, should should we expect this release trend to continue throughout the years? The the allowance provision is still well above the pre-pandemic levels and and GAR is lower. And then just following up on that, it's very encouraging to see your 7.1% increase in card spend. Can you just kind of um, outline for us where card spend is relative to to pre-pandemic
3: levels? Yeah, so, Brian, it's Gregory here. Let me take that one. I'll start with the allowance first and foremost. And, you know, you know how we do this, which every quarter we take a look at what the allowance is and all the factors and make assessments on, on, you know, as we're looking forward because it is a lifetime loss estimate. It's not losses in the next 12 months. It's lifetime. And where we ended the quarter, we feel very good and very comfortable. We have a simple way to look at it is look at, you know, the allowance dollars and look at your last 12 months of actual write-offs. We have over three years of losses kind of on the balance sheet right now in our allowance. So we feel pretty good about that from from a coverage perspective. And I, I just want to, you know, I know there's lots of questions about releasing more allowance, et cetera, et cetera. I would just point you back to the data that was just released on unemployment, what, about a week and a half ago, where, I mean, it didn't surprise us where, you know, given the restrictions, the unemployment rate, I think, went from 7.5 in March to 8.1 in April. Now, again, given restrictions and what that did to, to job loss, we, we weren't surprised. But I just, I think, we're, you know, Greg said, I don't think we're through this yet, so you know, we, we watch the trends very carefully, the macroeconomic ones. We're very encouraged by the credit risk metrics, but it is really a quarter-by-quarter quarter assessment on, on getting through what this data looks like, and uh, that's probably the best I can give you around uh, where we are. We're very comfortable, and we will continue to look every quarter and, and take the appropriate action when we, when we get a sense of what that information looks like. In, in terms of card spend... I think maybe I'll answer the question this way. I was thrilled with 7.1% growth in the first quarter. What the team is focused on is more the active account side of it. So if you take a look, our active accounts would have been down 4% versus Q1 a year ago. And that gets to what I think Patricia was asking, and you've asked as well previously around, when are we going to start kind of be able to get that acquisition engine humming again? So look, if we could get a 7% growth in card spend per active member, that's, um, that's, that's pretty strong. It's, The focus, I think, really is going to be on, again, when can we get that channel, in-store channel, open safely. And I think uh, uh, continued integration with retail will just drive both of those numbers. I think there's a chance you could see higher in sales, certainly in acquisition, and potentially even on the sales per account side.
8: Okay, and then follow-up question on the retail, maybe for TJ or or for Greg. Um, And I'm not sure you can answer this question, but you've talked about how demand at CTR remains off the charts the dealers remain very bullish. You've had this great variability the last several quarters with respect to revenue and, and retail. You know, when can we expect that this should be back in equilibrium? Like, are we, should we expect that in, in coming quarters, or are we still going to have this revenue growth in excessive retail?
2: Right. So this is Greg. Uh, you're right. That is difficult to answer. Um, I, listen, I've I've been around the CTR business for a good amount of time, and it's tough for me uh, to assess and model in my mind, so I can appreciate how difficult it is for you for your models. Um, I think the most important thing to ground on is is what TJ said before is the fact that we're trying to support a step function change in our revenue, um, and in order to support a much higher waterline in revenue, we need to buy for it. Uh, so. While the really difficult thing going forward, as I I said earlier, is what's going to happen with the customer uh, in terms of demand when we get back to normal, the one thing I feel strongly about is that we will eventually settle into similar inventory turns profiles. Uh, Ideally, we get some efficiency. We're seeing that relative to 2019 uh, right now. Um, But the so-called plug in the bottle, if there is one, um, especially for the dealers, are turns. Um, so I think about these factors when you're modeling out revenue. Um, you know, There's certainly what I would call some initial fill requirements uh, this year, given where we ended seasons last year. Um, so there's, a, there's buying for a heightened rate of sale, but also to fill the pipeline. Uh, and what I know is that this is for sure the case in the short term. Uh, this initial fill phenomenon. What I also know is that if the, we if we fill the network up, and then sales fall off, that this will impact your modeling for revenue in 2022. Uh, so from that standpoint, understanding the model and relationship between sales and revenue uh, is uh, is is pretty easy. So all that to say, I think you know the customer is going to dictate the volatility. Uh, going forward and and we're we're just going to be ready in the short term um, from a from a demand standpoint so hopefully that's helpful a little bit all
1: right thanks very much for the color thank you our next question is from Peter Squire with BMO Capital Markets please go ahead
9: okay Um, I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about the performance of the Ontario Canadian Tire Banner store so my understanding during the lockdowns would have been that um, you would you would not have allowed store pickup, so the customer was not allowed to come into the store to pick up. So you were limited to curbside. So earlier in your discussion points, you were talking about you know how how well um, uh, pickup is doing. So if my description of what of what was uh, what you were allowed to do and not allowed to do was correct. Can you talk about how the Ontario stores did, given that they were limited to curbside?
6: Yeah, uh, Peter, it's TJ, I can take that one. Uh, You are correct in your assessment uh, for how the Ontario stores had to operate. uh, Pretty much starting Boxing Day right until mid-February, we were only open for curbside uh, service through our e-comm channel. And and also by appointment uh, within auto service, so during that time frame, um, it our our sales were I would call them resilient. we were We were obviously down uh, comping what we would have when we would have been fully open. Um, but then we also saw a kind of pent up demand phenomenon when we opened back up in March and uh, and and finished the quarter very strong in Ontario. As you go into Q2, it's a little bit different from a comp perspective because the, the restrictions are there. Um, but up until uh, a couple of days ago, we had similar restrictions last year. So right now, as we're sitting in Ontario, um, we've had quite strong sales in Ontario up until the last couple of days because now we're starting to comp uh, being cl- uh, being open last year. Not only open, but open with massive pent-up demand after being closed for uh, a month so a lot of uh, variability in performance when you're opening and closing like that uh, but hopefully that gives you some color on uh, on how we performed.
9: yeah no I get that that was good um, and then my follow-up question is um, like as you know due to the you know um, generous benefits that are being offered by um, the federal government uh, you know in terms of weights you know wage supplementation um, are the dealers having any trouble getting people to come into work? Is that, is that an issue for them?
6: Yeah, Peter, it's TJ. Uh, over, over time since the pandemic started, um, labor is always something that we're levering up and down. And, and I think as the demand at Canadian Tire uh, went up extraordinarily uh, in, in a very short period of time, there definitely were some challenges getting labor across the country. Um, and, but our dealers do an extraordinary jo- extraordinarily strong job of managing their business very tightly that way. Uh, they've upped their recruiting efforts and those types of things. But I, I think it's safe to say that, that labor has been uh, in, in certain markets, particularly um, uh, in some of the, the markets at West and, and in Ontario, um, it has been tough at times to get labor, um, and uh, and it, it continues to be as we go forward here. Okay.
9: Um, thanks very much.
1: Thank you. Our next question is from Michelle Schrider with National Bank. Please go ahead.
10: Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my question. I uh, just wanted to um, get your perspective on the margin-sharing arrangements with the dealers at CTR. Given the large comp in Q1, should we expect a favorable true-up in coming quarters uh, related to that agreement? And if so, when should we expect it? And, and uh, can you offer us any help on how we should think about that benefit if it, if it in fact is expected to come?
3: Hey, it's uh, Gregory here. I'll I'll uh, I'll take that one, Pashal, and you can you can ask a follow-up hard accounting question for TJ. Um, <laughs> I think, as you know, the complexity with the margin sharing arrangement is when our dealer year ends are, right? So they, 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 they're they not all in one day. So if we have 492 odd dealers, they kind of vary throughout the year. So to, to answer your question, you know, um, when we do the accrual, we're doing it kind of based on year end and projection. So we actually did a true up this quarter um, for our estimate um, from, from that we made in Q4 because we had some more dealer return year ends come in, and we did actually increase um, the, the 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 accrual a little bit, so we did increase the margin a little bit relative, not anything near what we would have done to q four. That's why we really didn't call it out because it wasn't um, nearly as significant as it would have been in the previous quarter but but there'll be a there'll be an adjustment in Q one and there might be a small adjustment in Q two depending on the returns that kind of cascade in. As it relates to what we'll book in Q four of this year there's lots of time left so so yes it's a it's a it's a good start to the dealers with the comp that you've seen but there's lots of uh lots of year left and uh you know i think we'll be in a better position to talk a little bit more about that maybe kind of certainly q3 q4 but uh it's 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 early to talk about kind of the what we'll think about for msa in the fourth quarter at this stage i would say
10: okay and and just in terms of uh, the heuristic of it it's uh it's the, um, if the retail sales come in uh, stronger than ctr plan then uh, then there's a, a true up going back to the corporate is that a, a fair way to to think about it
3: well it's broader than just sales right think of dealer profitability so it's you know you've got to remember they've got to manage margins they've got they've got inventory you know they've got personnel costs et cetera so you have to look at the overall kind of four wall profitability is how I would say it so so the fact that sales are up let, let's not kid ourselves that's that's a great sign but but there's more to it than just sales being up. Just so we're, we're all
10: we're all clear. Okay, um, thank you for that. Uh, in terms of the owned brand strategy, uh, there seems to be continued traction with that. I'm wondering how management uh, reflects upon that strategy. Um, if anything that's changed? And should we expect more acquisitions of brands uh, looking forward?
2: Yeah, we're really happy, uh, Vishal, with the performance of of owned brands. I think we called out the. The performance in the quarter, uh, we saw great penetration rate increases, to the tune of I think 250 basis points in CTR. We're seeing continued penetration momentum in uh, in Sportcheck. Uh, we we called out uh, you know bikes as a as a shining own brand example uh, in Sportcheck. Um, I think we've talked to you about the fact that we feel good about the national brand to own brand mix uh, in Marks uh, on an ongoing basis. So. The, the real benefit for a creative penetration is going to come through SportCheck and through CTR, and we have multi-year plans by category uh, in terms of both of those banners uh, for further penetration and all levels of architecture uh, in, the, in the assortment. Um, as it relates to acquisitions, I think you've heard us say before, we've always got our ears uh, open. Um, if you asked me that question you know, three years ago, I would have identified gaps in the Canadian tire assortment in in categories like bikes, uh, at the good kind of architecture level, uh, in our kitchen business at the the, the, the better uh, architecture level, and now, you know those gaps have been plugged uh, by acquisition. So I'll probably stop short of telling you the categories where we. Where we believe we have gaps, um, but uh, suffice it to say we do, uh, and we're always on the lookout for, for filling them, and,
0: and hopefully they
2: end up being screaming successes like, uh, like Rally and Diamondback.
1: Thanks for the color. Thank you. That is all the time we have for questions. I will turn the call over to Greg Hicks, President and CEO, for any closing remarks.
2: Thanks, Valerie, and thank you uh, again, everybody, for joining us today. I hope the next time we speak, we're all well on our way to widespread vaccination uh, and finally reaching the other side of this pandemic. We'll speak to you in August. Goodbye.
1: Thank you, everyone. This concludes today's call. You may now disconnect.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.